Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. So, Mr. Davis, are we ready to start a new year now that we're in 2023 with Tech Gumbo? Still getting used to 2023, but always love some Tech Gumbo. So, we'll start off the show with some news and updates. Go back, kind of almost I told you so stories. The, the review of facial recognition just out of control. There's a story comes out of, out of New Orleans where Louisiana authorities had used facial recognition that mistakenly identified a man from Georgia as a fugitive. Yeah, this poor guy was in Georgia and he came across a facial recognition scan and it mistakenly confirmed him as the person they were looking for. And so they arrested him and they brought him to Jefferson Parish. And he said, well, what's Jefferson Parish? I've never been to Louisiana before in my life. It really got out of control because one police department was working with another police department in Louisiana. And one sheriff's department got involved and they didn't really look too closely because the guy that was arrested had a mole on his face that the artificial intelligence didn't see. There was no mole on the artificial intelligence picture. So, oh, by the way, here's a distinctive feature that could have eliminated the problem, but AI missed it. Yeah, and apparently there was also about 40 pounds of difference too. This wasn't close. You know, we talk about how facial recognition can sometimes not be as good on people of color this is just not even good, period. A, a mole is something that should be pretty obvious to detect. And this is a, a huge problem because it was, one, not just a mistake on the part of the Louisiana law enforcement. It's also a mistake on the Georgia law enforcement because they're the ones who made the detection and arrest in the first place. And so we've done stories like this already you have to wonder how many other stories like this are there. 
how many people are being arrested because AI is falsely accusing them of crimes they didn't commit. And then if you're in a jury and the, they present evidence that says, look, the AI says it's 99% sure it thinks it's him. Well, that seems pretty convincing if you're not aware of the flaws of this. This is a tool which we've said before needs a lot of work and it is being used far beyond what it is actually reliably capable of. This is just, it is so frightening that, I mean, because this is a black man who was, we've said multiple times how AI does not pick up the, the facial recognition of black people very well at all. And it, it, it works for white guys because that's who programmed it. And that's who, who it was created using white guy faces. And so here this poor guy gets dragged from the Cobb County, Georgia, all the way down to Louisiana, mistakenly because artificial intelligence said he's our guy. Yeah. You know, this is you're really going to throw his life into a mess because if all of a sudden he doesn't show up to work on Monday because he got arrested. Well, you know, now all of a sudden there's a record of that and all of these things that this was just some guy living his life had done nothing wrong. We really, you know, Louisiana has thought about restrictions on facial recognition but it died in 2021 in a legislative session. And this is something that other places in the country have put bans on. We really should have local bans. We should have federal regulations around it. This is something that is not ready for prime time yet. And it needs guardrails around it because people are being harmed by it. And there are times when it actually does work. As noted in New York City, a an attorney who lives and works in New Jersey was taking her daughter to Radio City Music Hall to go see a Christmas spectacular show. But it just so happens that her firm that she works for is in the process of suing Madison Square Garden Entertainment. Yeah, so one, this is one of the problems is that it's a giant umbrella corporation. It's the Madison Square Garden Entertainment Company. She wasn't even at Madison Square Garden. She was at the Radio City Music Hall. Those are 20 blocks apart. And most people probably wouldn't know that they're owned by the same entity. And so you now have these large corporations, which are also running facial recognition on every person that walks through that door. And so this woman walks through the door at Radio City Music Hall with her daughter and a group of other moms. Of, and there were a bunch of Girl Scouts going to this event. But because the, the lady was an attorney who's firm, and she works for a very large firm in the New Jersey area, her firm was suing the MSG Entertainment. The facial recognition picked up on her and... Two guards show up and say, we're sorry, ma'am, you're not allowed. They knew her name before she could even say what her name was, and they turned her away. She had to wait outside where her daughter went in with the rest of the Girl Scout troop to watch this, this Christmas spectacular show. There's so many things here that once you start asking questions, because we went to the firm's webpage, there's one picture of the lady. In order to you know, successfully identify with facial recognition, you would need several pictures to build that profile, which means 
they've done time to build all of these. They have a huge database somewhere where they have all these faces and that they are scanning all this against. And then you have to say, well, who is providing this service? One, again, how accurate are they? What other companies are doing things like this? How much facial recognition is being run on us every single day? How many, you know, is that data being tracked? Because does Madison Square Garden say, oh, don't worry, we're going to take the your face, we're going to know your name as you walk through our door, but don't worry, we're not doing anything with that data. Do you believe them? Absolutely not. I, you, you have to think that they are taking this and they're turning it into advertising data to sell Instagram ads that, hey, we saw you walking by the front of our store, let us sell you something. This is just such a huge privacy red flag. Now, to be fair, they do say, and I do believe that everything they did was legal, but it is gross. The fact that this woman does work for the law firm, but she's not part of the team that's suing Madison Square Garden Entertainment at all. She has nothing to do with it. She works in a whole separate and just was just going to see a Christmas show with her daughter with the Girl Scout troop. And we're sorry, ma'am. Our facial recognition software identified you as somebody who's suing our, our 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 business. Therefore, we're not going to allow you. And we've notified your firm that no one is allowed in because y'all are suing us. I I just I find that so absurd. So if if she wants to go to a Knicks game in Madison Square Garden, you know, if she's got a scarf over her face, I mean, if she's sitting in her seat, so they're going to come and she takes the scarf off. Are they going to come grab her and toss her the after she takes the scarf off? This asks so many questions about how is this implemented? You know, what type of oversight exists? The facial recognition as a technology just has the potential to unlock so many bad things. And we are seeing this currently wherever individuals are having it used against them and it will only continue to grow. And this really does scare me. And that's why I support maybe not permanent bans on the technology, because I think that there are possible uses for facial recognition, which could be beneficial, which could be helpful, but it just in so many ways right now enables behavior, enables patterns that feel like overreaches of privacy, overreaches of so many different things. It makes me uncomfortable. And oh, by the way, as we talked about a couple of weeks back, TSA is rolling us out at a lot of their big airports. So good luck. Yeah. So another story we wanted to catch up on was the the chat GPT. And this thing is growing. It is becoming a real, real concern to a lot of people. Even Microsoft has said, hey, look, let's try that out. Let's see if we can't use ChatGPT in the searches in our Bing search engine. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, it really has not been fully understood yet how revolutionary ChatGPT is of a software. And I think this is only version 1.0. That in another year, in another three or five years, as this thing continues to advance at an exponential rate, it's going to be transformative in a way that we we don't currently understand. And even then, it's only in the an open phase. Once you start building business applications on top of it, 
this is going to be so revolutionary and we're we're not prepared for it. we cannot see the ways in which our lives will be different because of this technology and microsoft is saying hey look let's get out in front of this if this is going to change how you google search for things this is you know no one uses bing as a verb but instead of typing in your query with just some keywords and scrolling through pages and pages of links what if you typed in a question and it gave you an answer that's what microsoft is thinking here yeah microsoft is saying that hey these responses to search queries can be much more conversational can add much more context to the answers and they're expecting a a real big jump in the quality and usefulness of the answers that bing would give and To be clear, Microsoft is only just testing this right now. They're not clearly rolled out, but it's not going to take long for Microsoft to go, wow, that changed a whole lot of what Bing was doing. Let's do more of that. Oh, absolutely. Because right now, whenever you Google search for something, it's kind of a clunky process. There are people who have developed this skill over time whenever you put in the right keywords or whatever. But instead of having it be its own separate skill what if it was just a conversation you know you were asking something of someone who already knows the answer and you say hey can you explain this to me in a way that i understand that's just way more natural that's how humans communicate and learn and so this is a, a big change and it's actually scaring google because google's based upon whenever you see that page of links you click some of them that are ads. Some of them are promoted to the top. Well, if it just gives you the answer, why are you gonna sit there and scroll through pages of ads in Google? It really should change a whole lot in that you're not gonna have that endless scroll, that endless search through, like you said, links and links and links. If it just gives you the exact answer you're looking for, I don't need to see all those ads. Oh, wait, that's right. Google is an advertising agency that happens to give away you know, free software. If I don't need that advertising agency, wow, that really changes what Google can do. Right, because if all of a sudden Google has to start baking in the ad inside of the answer that it gives you, that would probably be off-putting. If, you know, if I typed in toilet paper and it just said here, buy the Charmin, well, I say, well, is that the only one you're going to show me? What about the other brands? Are you just only going to show me the one that you've been advertised to? And you're just going to push everyone else out? That, uh, you really don't like that model. No, and I really don't think enough people have figured out this chat GPT is anywhere near as developed. And like you said, this is still only the, the first version of it, that the company OpenAI that created it has really, really just caught lightning in a bottle here and slowly but surely undoing that lid and letting some of this lightning out and more people are starting to find that lightning and it's getting exciting to watch. Oh, it's it's lightning in a bottle. It's also the demons in Pandora's box. And, that's, and the difference between the two, we don't know which one it is yet. That... If this goes in the right direction, this could be so beneficial. It could help so many people. It could change so many lives for the better. But the problem is there's also a bad path where 
this just removes jobs and large swaths of people become unemployable because software does their job better, faster, cheaper instantly, and unemployment goes through the roof. And it's not possible to know yet which path we're on. There's a student over at Princeton who did build an app that can, as of now, tell the difference between what is a, a chat GPT essay and what is the AI-based plagiarism. So, I mean, okay, as we were talking about earlier, now you've gotten into a, an arms race as to who can build, I can build my app to, to know what's different. Oh yeah, well, I can, I can wait till 2.0 comes out and you can't tell the difference. Because right now this app, you this Princeton student wrote, it can tell the difference between an essay written by ChatGPT and an essay written by an actual human. Because one of the things that people are nervous about is that it writes at about the level of a high school student. And so if you're an English teacher, and you know, you teach ninth, 10th, 11th grade, and you say, all right, students, give me an essay on this topic. Well, if the student can go into ChatGPT, put in some keywords and ask it, and you know, massage it a little bit, you can get out a two-page essay from ChatGPT that's moderately good. It's not going to win awards, but it's definitely passable. Then all of a sudden, that really undermines a lot of the way that we teach writing as a skill here in America. And so that's that's what this student at Princeton was hoping to do with his GPT-0, is what he's calling it, so that teachers now can start this arms race, basically, between can we tell human writing from AI writing, but I'm not even sure that that's the right path here. And, you know, I've seen some people say that what the teacher should be doing is teaching students how to build upon it, that the teacher says, hey, look, you go get ChatGPT to write the first draft, and then you bring it back and you show me how you're going to improve on it. You apply your critical thinking skills. You can make the sentences more interesting, more varied. You apply your own flavor. Maybe you think that it didn't do a good job with the ideas. And in that way, now you're doing something interesting because that's what makes writing human for now. 2.0, 3.0 will be better, but at least for now, that's something so that the students are working with this technology instead of against it. The biggest problem is the GPT-0 is also artificial intelligence. It's artificial intelligence looking at other artificial intelligence to find out, are you artificial intelligence? And so, yeah, I get it. There needs to be some kind of way to know the difference between did little Susie or little Johnny actually write this paper or did some AI bot and it, it's disappointing that we're here. It's exciting that we're here. It's confusing. What are we going to do next? What are we doing? Where does this go? You know, is this the Star Trek Enterprise now where you're actually talking to the, the computer and the computer is giving you better answers than anybody else? It's exciting. It's frightening. It's, it's oh, man, what's next? Absolutely, because for everything that's coming out of ChatGPT that's text-based, when you start to combine it with these digital art softwares that are artificial art intelligence for art, what if you apply it to a person and you start to have, you take everything that person's ever said and you feed it into ChatGPT and you say, give me a speech that sounds like 
Barack Obama. Give me a speech that sounds like Donald Trump. And then you have it make the picture of their face. You have it make the picture of them walking around, talking, using their gestures. And you have something that looks like them, sounds like them, is how they speak and move and communicate. And if you didn't already know it was fake, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference because that's how they would do those things. We're really coming to a crisis point and we're not ready. The whole deep fake thing that that you were just describing is is very frightening because now you really can't believe your own eyes. And and that's where we are. Yeah. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.